Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about how priorities change when time becomes precious. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Ryan Lindner. Ryan is a personal development specialist and the author of The Half-Known Life. You can reach Ryan and learn more about his book at his website, rslindner.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Ryan. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. My pleasure. It's so great to be here. Super excited. Ryan, I am so grateful that you are alive and well able to talk to me today. Would you mind sharing your story of why you know that time is precious? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, it, it had always been my goal to be a, a coach. And, you know, I've been a coach for uh, about 20 years or so. And, um, I worked so hard to become a coach, I had thousands and thousands of clients, and um, I reached what I would call my dream sort of job. And, you know, I was taking on clients, helping them, and um, I was new at a particular, uh, as, a, as a coach in, at a particular um, place, and I had a contract, I worked a lot with the military, and I was there just a couple of months, and uh I had a cardiac arrest to two of them, actually. Um, there were one day apart and it, what's, I guess, unique about that, you know, a lot of people have been through just a, a ton of different things in their lives, but as a coach, it really transformed my experience with my clients because I was so new. I actually didn't have any paid time off accrued or the insurance hadn't kicked in, you know, with any new opportunity. And, uh, I was back at work five days later, five days after this. Uh, and, and by the way, um, I was 30 when it happened and wow. no family history, no family history. Um, I've been in wellness my whole life, um, you know, working in wellness professionally, um, uh, professionally trained in, in, in wellness and, uh, you know, eating healthy, non-smoker, exercise all the time, um, doing, doing all those right things. But, you know, when you go through something like that and you, um, you know, I've seen every specialist out there, world renowned specialist. So it, the, the cause was a mystery. Now, um, I'm still here, still, still kicking. Um, I've got, uh, my pacemaker now, which I uh, received as a more of a safety net, but the, the real, you know, part of my job is tracking patterns in clients. Um, I do a lot of studies and, uh, I don't, I do a lot of, uh, training. So, uh, you know, apart from coaching and it transformed the way I viewed, you know, problems seem different when you don't have any energy to give them. So a lot of people, what they experience when they're when they're feeling physically good is they give a lot of their energy to these, these small problems, you know, uh, your problems sort of disappear when you're on the ICU because you're just worried about, you know, functioning from moment to moment, you know, and problems just seem so different. Cause I would be, I, I did virtual sessions and I would be with a client and I'd be hooked up to all these wires and, you know, they couldn't see it of course. And I remember one lady just going on and on and on about her problems. And I was just teetering on consciousness at the time. And so, you know, all that to say, I, I am dizzy 24 hours a day. 
It's just a condition that I have. Still? And yep, 24 I'm dizzy right now. Really? And it's, yeah, it's all the time. Um, I have what I guess could be best described as wiring problems. And I have to be very mindful of my energy, you know, the amount of sleep I get, you know, the amount of water I drink, which is constant, just all these little things and triggers, things that make the dizziness worse. And when you no longer have energy to give, uh, to problems, um, you just, you have to make conscious choices of, you know, of what's worth it. You know, the cost of of anything in your life is the amount uh, amount of energy, amount of time it takes from you. That's the cost of anything. And coincidentally, my career, my specialty is really helping, uh, clients, uh, move out of their own busyness and I help them through transitions. So that's what I specialize in. So I just found it very fitting in a darker kind of way that, you know, I would go through something like that and then that's what I did as a professional anyway, which was help people sort of look at their problems in their lives differently. And a very different from book learning because you, you really, really deeply understand this. I thought your comment when your, your problems go away when you're in ICU, I, I would kind of clarify that just a little bit. I wouldn't say your problem. I would say you have a problem. That is why you are in ICU. <laughs> However, um, just the idea of that prioritizing and, and, you know, the little things don't matter and things that seemed big all of a sudden seem very, very, very small. And like when you're working with this client and she's talking about her problems that you probably thought were pretty small while you're just teetering on, I'm going to, I'm going to pass out here. So that's, that is it gives you a, a unique, a unique perspective that you get to bring to what matters and what is important. So how do you help your clients be able to, to, to make that transition and recognize, you know, these things don't matter so much because we can get fixated on the tiniest little thing. And, you know, we talk about perspective. If you have something right in front of your face, it seems huge insurmountable, where if you maybe take a step back, you know, it's not that big. I can get over that. Yeah. Well, when I talk a lot about uh, what matters, you know, everyone thinks they know that already, right? It's like, oh yeah, family matters, relationships, you know, all that stuff matters. But most of the time people don't realize to the extent it's just in their periphery. So it's not, they know it matters, but their behaviors, the way they're living their lives don't reflect that and they don't, they don't know that per se. So as I, you know, track patterns in clients, what I have found is that, you know, everyone ha- has a busyness they think is unique to them. You know, this to-do list they're working on, I got to do that. I got to finish the bathroom, remodel, mow the grass, pick up the kids. They, they think their busyness is unique to them, but any coach and counselor will probably attest to the fact that, you know, they don't realize I just had, you know, the same conversation, you know, 500 times with, you know, with other clients. And that is that, you know, everyone is looking for more time. Um, but what they, and one commonality is that people can't see themselves. 
right? They, I've had psychologists as clients. I've had military generals. I've had CEOs. And initially when I got, say, a psychologist, I was thinking, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I thought they had it all figured out, I guess. But we're all just people. And again, it doesn't, has nothing to do with how smart you are. Most people cannot see themselves. And, they, and, and that's what I do is I, my job is more of a, is, is as a catalyst or I guide them through their own exploration. Um, so my job is to ask the right questions, to get them to see their blind spots a little bit and to be with them in those moments um, as they reevaluate that. Because again, they, most of them will tell you and describe very clearly what's important, but they can't see themselves. And so, you know, that's where having this, you know, other partner, this partnership is helpful. Isn't that interesting that we can have professionals and I have had personal experience with, with family and friends who are professionals in the field of being able to help people to understand and see their problems and, and maybe some of the, the mistakes that they're making. And then they can see it as clear as day on the person, you know, on the other side of the, the couch or, you know, that your, your neighbors, your friends. And yet, because I know them, I can see that they're doing those same things in their own life and don't see it at all. And so it's kind of fascinating. And you have a unique perspective in that, I mean, any of us, we're all humans. We, we can all make the same mistake. But because of your experience, you are not able to, to look at it and say, oh, this is something that other people need to work on. But I, I'm going to play by my own set of rules. Now there is a, a very level playing field where you say, you know what? This applies to me a lot. Yeah. And when, when you look at studies, a, a lot of people, when they go through a trauma, I've, I've done also studies in hospice, for example, when they go through a trauma of some sort, they are pulled into the moment. Because what a trauma does is it kind of awakens you. It shocks you to kind of go, whoa, what just happened? I got in a car accident. I did this. I, I forgot all about my to-do list for a minute. And now I need to get really clear on, on how I'm living my life. And, you know, that's what a trauma does. It awakens us temporarily. And then most people go back into that to-do list over a few months. And, and they're sort of lost again. So what I try to do is hopefully a trauma isn't needed. It's really helping them, you know, be present in the moment. Um, you know, mindfulness, absolutely. But it's, again, it's really about, yeah, those blind spots. And, you know, there's that saying out there, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And it's what I mean by that is, you know, people whatever perspective they have of their own situation, sometimes it does look different from the outside. So exactly what you said, sometimes I'm working with a client and I'll see the solution to their problem right in front of me. It's right there, but they can't see it. And it's until we get that buy-in also that we recognize, you know, this solution actually fits for me. Because like you said, we think we're the exception. Like when you talked about people in their to-do list and how they figure and it's funny that we think, oh, I am the only person on this planet with this to-do list with 527 things on it. Everybody else has it easy when the, the truth is, no, we, we all have a lot of things that, that, that can demand our time. 
But we don't always have to say yes to everything that, that demands on our time, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're, people think or they treat busyness a lot like it's happening as like a victim of circumstance. In other words, like, oh, I've got so much to do. I'm so stressed. But if, if, you, if you look at your life, what you find is that your current situation is often a result of a series of little micro decisions you made that got me here. No one's forced me to do this career, live in this state or whatever. A series of micro decisions got me to this place. And that's what's going to get you out of it, making the right choices for you, seeing those. Um, a lot of people are stuck in, in familiarity, what's familiar, so they don't want to get outside their comfort zones. Um, and they live in reasons why it won't work. So they're not really able to make those decisions that will move them forward. So in many ways, they're keeping themselves sort of stuck. Oh, and all the things that you said can be very painful because you're taking it from a place of a mentality where I'm thinking, well, it's not my fault and there's nothing I can do about it. It just happened to me. And then you're trying to open my eyes and say, no, actually, Linda, the reason you are where you are is because of these little micro decisions. And that makes things like my fault. And ooh, who wants to hear that anything is their fault? Yuck. And then um, to say the solution is, is, is up to you. And that puts me in the driver's seat. And while that is very, very empowering, it's also a little bit incriminating because that means, you know, I have, I have some room to improve. And people think, a lot of people think, but I'm so busy. There's no room to improve because I, I, I'm running as fast as I can on this treadmill, just trying to keep up. You know, I always work with clients and, and I, when I, when we encounter this, exactly what you're saying is, you know, I'm just trying to keep up. Um, it's not about perfection. It's about chipping away at it a little bit each day. Even if you had five minutes, you can do a lot in five minutes. Uh, a mentor told me that a business mentor, and he said, you know, just time yourself five minutes. How much can you get done? And again, most people can't see, you know, what, you know, how to get unstuck, but it's just about chipping away at it just a little bit each day. That's it. It could be 15 minutes. It could be five minutes. It's about creating boundaries for yourself and staying in those. Um, I think the, one of the biggest mistakes that people make is the minute they slip up, it's this feeling, you know, the guilt and then, Oh God, I slipped up and, and then they give up after that. So I think it's about your, your internal dialogue to a large extent. And how you treat yourself, you know, um, do you treat yourself the way that you would treat a friend or a family member? Most people don't. Most people are very hard on themselves. So it wasn't until I said, you know what? Every day is a redo. And as long as I am showing up in integrity, which to me is just chipping away at it a little bit each day, I showed up today and I'm going to show up tomorrow. As long as I keep doing that, you will get there. You will get there. And I'll give myself, if I need a million redos, I get a million redos. And it's, you can't berate yourself uh, over it. And again, it comes down to prioritizing your energy. And I, I just refuse to make myself feel, you know, to berate myself. You know, treat, your, treat yourself as if you're someone to care about, right? I mean, most people don't. They're very hard on themselves. Isn't that the truth? We are usually our own worst critic. 
And I had a friend uh, teach me this little phrase. This says, I am the kind of person who is kind to myself. And I thought, oh, what a beautiful and simple phrase. Where if you're caught in that cycle of, oh, why did I screw up? Oh, why did I da-da-da-da? To stop that, because that can create that ruminating cycle that's so damaging. And to stop it with, no, I am the kind of person who is kind to myself. And that's just such a beautiful place to start. I love that you brought up the idea that we can do something in just a few minutes. And one of the things that I I share on my nonprofit website is a five-minute morning routine to help get things started so that you can have a great day to help put you in the right place. Because I think it's so important that when, when we have these ideas and you're talking about this personal transformation and there's so much to do and I'm already feeling overwhelmed, that it, it needs to be simple and short enough that I think, oh, that's it. Oh, I can do that, you know, rather than, oh, I can't do this. There's too much. Yeah. And it, most people, it becomes a chore, right? Some of these personal development things and you're, I, I love that. It's simple, but uh, you know, I think just keep it simple for yourself and, you know, just keep showing up and, you know, it's all about how you, uh, think about it. Um, one thing I do a lot is I work with, um, introverts, people with anxiety, shyness, and things like that, confidence issues. Um, and some of my clients are a little bit surprised to find that I am, um, I am very, very introverted, often more than, than my clients. And, uh, um, I grew up with, with just this terrible, terrible anxiety. And I, I, what's required there is, again, it's all how you, you treat yourself. Most people feel like when, and this is what feeds the anxiety is, um, they think there's something wrong with being quiet or wrong with being introverted. And they spend their whole lives trying to, to change that. And until you own it, until you love that about yourself, then it will control you. So my, my fears kind of went away once I said, you know what? Not only is being introverted nothing wrong with it, I love it. I like being introverted. Don't want to change it one bit. And when, when you look at it differently like that, when you own things, the fear dissolves right there. You know, a lot of people talk about public speaking, the fear of that. And once you say, you know what? I don't care. Maybe I'm nervous, you know. Once you own those things, the fear just takes care of itself. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I would very much consider myself an introvert as well. Somebody who is an introvert and versus extrovert can mean something a little different than what I previously thought it meant. It doesn't only mean that you're shy versus you're outgoing. It can also mean the way that you recharge is, I love to spend time alone. And that is how I build myself. And other people love to be in a nice big crowd with a bunch of people and they kind of feed off of that energy. And to me, that drains me. So I, I really, anyway, so I, I agree with you. That's nice. And I love to say, you know, the fear starts to go away when we own and we accept that. And I feel like that is very true. And I also think that when we're in the process that we should pat ourselves on the back and give credit because I think courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. It's being confident in your 
or, or self-assured in your lack of confidence or self-assurance. It's being, it's owning <laughs> that, right? If I, if I don't know something or I'm lacking confidence, I'm just going to be confident in that and, and make it, let it be okay that I don't know something, you know, ask the right, ask questions, learn it, make it be okay. Give yourself permission to, you know, let that go. Isn't that healthy? Because a lot of people have a feeling of perfectionism where they think I cannot move forward until I am absolutely sure that I can do this perfectly. And that makes us very stuck because we really can't guarantee that we're going to move forward without making a mistake. And then we have to have that self-assuredness that it's okay to not know everything. And it is okay to not do everything perfectly because I am a work in progress. And you know what? That's great. Absolutely. It, yeah. It just, that, that mindset shift. And again, you know, in my situation, when you have to consciously think of, you know, what is worth the, the energy for me, um, it, it just came down to a simple decision is, you know, I'm just tired of worrying, tired of, you know, I just don't have the energy for it. You know, um, let's put forth energy to things that, that are uh, going to build me up and not break me down. Excellent. Because that matters. That matters. Yeah. Now we're talking about, um, you know, trying to put our best foot forward here. And even when we don't feel necessarily confident in it, you have some hacks about how to be more, as you put it, attractive, how to kind of, uh, you know, we all have a, a mixture of our skills, our strengths, our weaknesses. So how do we put our best foot forward? Like, how do I sound great in a job interview or, you know, give us some, some tips on how to, how to look good and how to sound good. This is one of those topics. A lot of people think they, they know, like I teach a lot about impressions and how to nail those impressions. Um, a lot of people think they know what that entails, you know, friendliness, you know, smile, greet, look them in the eye. But there are two things that people notice about you right away. Um, and an impression and even subconsciously one is they, they have a feeling about your, your competence um, or you could also call that perhaps confidence as well. Um, but the second thing that people notice is your warmth is your warmth. And that's an interesting word for me, warmth, because it encompasses so many qualities, so many, it's not just smiling or it's the way that you come across. Right. And it, it you know, cause people don't always remember what you say, right. They remember how you, how you make them feel. So that warmth to me makes me think of the, of a feeling. Um, and what most people are used to in life, most people are used to being very, um, transactional, not interactional. Mm. So, you know, you go to the gas station and interact with a cashier, you go to a coffee shop and you order something. Most people, it's a transaction, you know, you're a role, they're a role and you treat them that way. There are a couple things you can do to, to shift that and be interactional. And it's nothing earth shattering. It's simple. It's easily applied. Um, and one of those things, of course, is nailing that impression, warmth, right? But in any interaction that you have, if you just pause for just a few seconds, just pause before jumping right into what you were going to say, you pause, you let them get everything they need to say out. And then you ask questions after that. Most people do not feel heard, right? So 
um, you know, in most transactions, people are just, um, you know, they're, they're just ready. All they're thinking about is what they have to say. And, and it's, it, they don't make it so much about the other person. So, again, warmth, um, really just slowing down and taking that pause with the person you're interacting with. And they're going to feel immediately more connected before you even say a word because they're, they feel uh, like you're present, you're hearing them. It's just that little pause. And then you can ask reflective questions. You can ask questions that sort of dig a little bit deeper into what they're, they're saying. And that's going to validate them. That's going to make them feel like, wow, they really heard me. So a lot of times what I'll say is, you know, Linda, this is what I heard you say. And, and I'll kind of reflect it back to them. Those are a few subtle little tips that really do make a big difference. That's awesome. And these are things that require that we be genuine and authentic. I don't think you can fake warmth very well. No. And I think that this is a beautiful idea of this transition from just a transaction into an interaction that, that we see people and we hear people. And that can create a beautiful win-win because we not only, uh, I, I feel like whenever I have opportunity to visit with someone like yourself and I'm listening, I learn something and I feel like it makes me a, a better person because you're going to spark some ideas that maybe are new to me or maybe something that I know, but maybe I've forgotten Or sometimes it's something that I know and you're validating and saying, yes, I agree with you. And all of those things are beautiful. And those are all gifts that you give me when I listen to you. Exactly. Um, And again, comes back to kind of what we were saying before is most people can't see themselves. And so that's, um, you know, that's the key here is, is they, they know a lot of these things intellectually but they're sort of lost in their own heads in the ways, I guess. But there are things that people do every day they don't realize they're doing. And I'll give you a couple examples. Um, And this is what makes it more transactional because most of what we say to each other is automatic. It's a habit. Um, You know, maybe you, you pass someone in the hallway at work. Maybe you, you know, see an old friend and what do people say? How are you? How are you? And the response is, good, you? How are you? Good, how are you? How are you? Not too bad. Think about those types of responses. Or fine. Yeah, fine, fine. You're bad, just not too bad. That's that's good, I guess. Um, Hanging in there. um, Oh, it's Monday. You know, it's the automatic dialogue that people... um, aren't aware of. Right. And if you gave them a real answer, sometimes people would look at you funny because they weren't really asking. That wasn't a real question. That was the pleasantry. Right. And, uh, you know, if suppose I'm not having a good day, if I, if I said, you know what, it's a terrible day. Most people would look at you like, I'm sorry, I asked you. Um, you know, what I try to do is I give a real answer, but, you know, always sort of, um, in a way that keeps myself in a positive mindset. So, okay, know, so let's try it. Here we go. Ryan, exactly. how are you today? 
Um, you know what? It's a little tired today. It's a little bit rainy out, but otherwise, I am fantastic. I'm looking forward to the rest of the day. I've got a lot of exciting things planned. Um, you know, it's it's how you are going to show up, right? And emails too, right? Autom- how do we? If you, if anyone who's listening is in the corporate world, you know how they sign emails. Uh, regards, right? Regards, or very respectfully, or we. We would never speak that way, right? I always get a kick out of like the way people signing their emails regards because we we don't speak that way. That doesn't create the warmth. It's just an automatic sort of thing. I mean, just imagine like next time you hang up the phone, you just you're like regards to your friend or something. That it, it's so like a, a sterile sort of cold way of being. And again, people notice the warmth right away. And so um, people can feel, even if they can't put their finger on it, they can feel if you're being interactional or transactional. And, you know, I had a a gentleman walk into a wellness center I was working at once and he just asked me, he, he did, he asked me how I was, but I could feel that he was waiting for a real response Ooh. rather than just, you could feel it. I, you can just feel it. And people are generally more attractive and you like people more who create those feelings in you. So they've got the warmth, they pause just a little bit and they're there, they're, they're present, right? Just those, just those things alone will transform an experience. And that requires that I get out of my head and maybe what I'm worried, thinking what I'm going to say next, or that I'm worried about if what you're going to think of what I say or what you're going to think about me. And instead, I have to get out of that and just, at least for the moments that we are interacting, be caring and thinking about you. And that is, that is a big transformation. And I think it's, I think it's beautiful advice. So thank you for the wisdom you've shared today. And thank you for visiting with me today. My pleasure. Mine as well. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Jim Rohn. He said, time is more valuable than money. You can get more money, but you cannot get more time. Today, I invite you to recognize that your time is precious and pay attention to how you use it. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks, free audiobooks, and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self-esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller, You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thank you.